Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, we are so excited to have back uh, State Superintendent Joy Hoffmeister. How are you, Superintendent? I'm doing great. Thank you both. And it's great to be with you. Uh, There is a lot happening right now. Uh, The State Department of Ed, people think summer is the time when everybody just hangs out, um, and it is the opposite. Um, So we wanted to talk to you about uh, different initiatives you guys have going on, um, unrelated to summer though. A big announcement recently about the Counselor Corps. Um, Can you give us sort of a summary of what that is and the funding and all of that good stuff? Yes, well, we've been asking for millions of dollars to help fund a school counselor corps in the legislature for about three years. Uh Uh, We knew that we need to have about 1,100 additional school counselors to get to that recommended ratio of 250 students to one counselor. Uh And uh, we were able through federal dollars that came for ESSER, or the coronavirus relief funds to actually kind of kickstart that and get it going for the next three years. So $35 million has been set aside for the hiring of school counselors. And in that, we're really talking about um, that academic counselor at school that is so important for our kids who um, need to get on track to graduate on time and all kinds of support with ICAP, but also the mental health aspect of this, uh, where we know a lot of kids are going to need additional support with that social emotional reconnection. And um, we know it's been really a crazy year for kids as well as everyone that works in schools. I mean, when you when you talk about that, we've got I mean, Oklahoma, our students have um, such pronounced needs when it comes to uh, trauma. And then you add on the pandemic. If there was ever a time for more counselors, it seems like now is the time. It's so true. And we also know that there's real benefit that comes um, actually on the back end with um, better learning and the success of um, our students in school is really built first on meeting them where they are and thinking about the whole child. Um, So we think about hunger and how important it is um, to address that physical need, but we also have to think about those mental health supports. And sadly, uh, we have really seen an increase in suicide ideation, uh, depression, uh, during this time of disconnection over the pandemic. Alicia, for folks who might not be familiar, what is what how how does having a counselor in the building uh, sort of ripple through when it comes to, I mean, it seems like something everybody feels. Right. So I have um I've had the privilege of working pre-K through 12 mm-hmm. in my career as an educator. And so at that elementary level, having that counselor that comes in and and can work with students and classes on how to deal with their emotions in, in, in an effective way and how to express themselves in ways that are not destructive, but are con- constructive. Um, and that social emotional learning piece of it is huge 
Then in the middle school, I experienced it where we had a core of teachers that would come together with the counselors and um, other support counselors from the community where we talked about students who were starting to show some trends of um, possibly falling down the, through the cracks and, you know, might not have, and, and so um, that, that program kind of went away because of funding and the change in focus of what the counselor was doing with test prep and, and the testing coordinator and all of that. And then in high schools, uh, you know, between career, um, career learning and academic, you know, progression post high school and um, and even working with those students who um, who are having trauma and need a place to go. I mean, it is it's imperative that we have counselors that can meet the needs of of our students who are, you know, experiencing a broad range of things through life. Superintendent, how do you how do you implement this? I mean, the needs are clear, and 1,100 is um, the size of many towns in Oklahoma. I mean, how 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 do you um, where will they be? How will you hire them? How do, how does like what does that look like logistically? It seems like a massive undertaking. Well, it really is, and it takes first a district that has a plan on. Uh, how to use counselors in an effective way. We don't want these individuals to become test coordinators. Right. In fact, that's prohibited. Um, if you're right. going that's to great. be um, one that's of great. the, yeah, if you're going to be one of the grant recipients, um, we're going to ex explain exactly how that person um, will be able to function within the school. And, and they can't be as a school counselor or other duties as assigned. Um, instead, the way it works is we're putting up a 50% match. So we'll have half of that salary and benefits and the district will invest the other half of those resources. Mm -hmm. So there's skin in the game for the districts. Yeah. And it also helps build in longevity because the goal here is, as I said, a kind of a jumpstart uh, for something that we know uh, our districts have become more and more aware of this need. And it also is answering the really root cause analysis we've done of why teachers have left the classroom. Um, part of it is that they have become worn thin as they've shouldered all the responsibilities when it used to be that there were other people in the building that helped support kids and the needs they have and those kids in their classrooms. So some of this is going to spread that out um, just like it does when you have a reading specialist. Right. Um, having Having this additional support in buildings is really um, also including not just that licensed professional counselor, but it could also mean um, a school-based social worker, um, a therapeutic recreational specialist. A, a lot of people don't know what that is either. Um, a, a rec therapist is used, um, they're first licensed nationally and are um, certified nationally and then also licensed by the Oklahoma Medical Board and are used in behavioral health or they're used with um, to service children on the spectrum with autism, um, play-based strategies that teach social skills and um, the also self-regulation um, and also classroom management um, techniques. But many of our um, emergency certified teachers that were grateful that they've said yes and they're answering a sure. need in a teacher shortage need some additional on-site um, real-time coaching. 
uh-huh. um, with a few techniques that could make a world of difference. I know that there are a lot of folks who are excited about this um, this particular project. So we're looking forward to seeing that implemented here pretty soon. And can I mention one more thing? Because I've seen this on social media. Mm-hmm. We've had the question, where are they coming from? Where are these mm-hmm. people coming from? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, yes, we do have a shortage in our schools. But what we have found um, through our own of supply and demand study, which we do every three years of the teacher pipeline and the current composition of certified individuals in the state in schools, is that we already have 700 plus licensed counselors, um, certified counselors, and they are in other positions, teaching positions. So you saw schools that had uh, limited positions that they could meet from a budgetary standpoint. Uh-huh. And they pulled people with teaching certificates into other positions due to the shortage. But it's actually part of that, which came first, the chicken or the egg cycle, yeah. because yeah. the shortage is coming because we've lost uh, some of these important support personnel that um, make for a um, better learning environment for students. And um, so getting that rebalanced and, um, and filling these teaching positions with certified math instructor um, so that we can pull that certified counselor back into that role will be part of the strategy. Wow. Well, it's needed. Um, so you, you briefly mentioned earlier summer learning. Um, mm-hmm. We, I mean, it happens every year, um, but this year there is extra attention to it just because of the world that we're living in right now. Um, how, how is that looking in Oklahoma? Give us a picture of, of what everybody's, what's going on? Well, we have to strike now with right. those resources um, and provide them right away for kids who have missed out, who have identified learning gaps or unfinished learning that needs to be completed. And yes, some of this is going to take um, you know, more than, of course, a summer to um, right. finish, but we've got to get started right now. And we're seeing some of our school districts that received more funds than others because of a concentration of poverty and economic disadvantaged mm-hmm. students uh, be able to provide either expanded opportunities for summer with a, a longer duration of, of what they can offer students, or they're also providing additional incentives for teachers who we know are exhausted and yeah. are yeah. depleted uh, to, to stick with it over the summer. And uh, I can give one example that I think is worth really giving a big shout out. Uh, Muskogee Public Schools is offering $9,000 for teachers uh, over the summer who are stepping up to do something so important at a time when we know uh, they need to refuel and refresh as well. That's something Alicia and I were just talking about the other day, this exact issue, because there was no summer last year. I mean, it has been a, it has been nonstop. And I I can imagine that that a lot of districts are, are having a tough time getting folks who are just exhausted to come in and, and to keep, to keep working. So one other thing to mention is that this is also why it's so important to rely on some of the other organizations that provide support during the summer, like Boys and Girls Club and the YMCA centers. We have over a hundred 
centers just in those two organizations that have uh, an alliance of statewide network um, of support in, in uh, various communities in the state. And these are examples of how the nonprofit world can uh, come and wrap their arms around this um, really great need and do that with maybe some who are fresh uh, and have, um, have really been preparing all along for summer. Uh, we know that they are enhancing some of the work to provide mental health supports as well. Uh, during the summer, and these are part of the dollars we've also dedicated for uh, this summer, and it will um, expand to after school hours during the school year uh, with a minimum investment of our state federal funds, uh, our state um, yeah. directed and determined <laughs> use of federal funds uh, of about 28 a million dollars um, over the next three years. Yeah, we, we say that education doesn't is not in its own little bubble. Mm. We have to be able to use other, you know, um, nonprofits and great organizations like the Boys and Girls Club yes. um, and the YMCA, YWCA to um, to help us with these things. Yeah. Yeah. And there's many others beyond those that have a national footprint. But we felt they had the capacity um, to handle something quick, uh, like as in this summer, we're already here and it's June. Um, And so we did an initial uh, allocation of $6 million for those two organizations. But we'll be opening that up this summer so that our uh, nonprofit partners all across the state are able to apply and receive grants to support kids after school and next summer and beyond. Uh, but we want them to have plenty of time for that competitive grant uh, that's that will be opening shortly. Yeah, and kudos to Muskogee because nine thousand yeah. dollars could re could reduce the stress of a teacher. Right. Who, uh, I'm like, can yeah. I commute to Muskogee? Could I do that? <laughs> I no, but I mean that it it makes it worth their while to. I mean, it's it's, it's such a trade off that I know so many educators are they want. They love their kids. They want to be there. They want to help them. And they're just exhausted. So good job, Muskogee. Um, yeah. So so speaking of partnerships in the summer, and um, let's talk about summer feeding because, you know, this is something that Oklahoma has, especially the State Department of Ed has really pushed, um, you know, every summer. And how, you know, this year I thought it was wonderful that everybody could just get fed and we are not worrying about it. And we are going to, you know, I during the pandemic, I think is so critical. And we have so many families that still are in desperate need of that kind of support. And um, talk to us about summer feeding this year. Well, thank you uh, for bringing up really a an issue we've been trying to highlight more participation being needed in the summer because during the school year, about 60% of our kids qualify for free or right. reduced price lunch. And yet in the summer, that just plummets in terms of those served. So um, under a typical year, even after efforts to raise awareness and get more partners to help provide that, uh, many schools due to budget constraints closed down their kitchens and didn't have as many summer schools, didn't provide that during the summer. And we were really getting to a place where we were thrilled to have 1.4 or 6 million, you know, 1.4 
let's just call it one and a half million served meals served Uh uh, in a summer. Uh, But last year, when school districts kept their doors open and continued, well, continued serving kids with lunch, Uh um, grab and go, um, pick up delivery, that type of thing. We were able to actually serve over 13 million meals. That's amazing. Yeah. So that really puts a real, you know, great impact into students being prepared to learn in that next season of that next school year. We would love to be able to replicate that again. And I hope that we will see more of our schools continue that provision uh, at their school sites. And I have to say this too, our support staff that are working in those cafeterias, that are working to support this work, we owe them a debt of gratitude because they have gone above and beyond to make that happen. And it is truly a great need and one that uh, our kids are benefiting from and we thank them. Yeah, we've seen our our school bus drivers pair up with the food service. Yes. you know, meals out to further locations to feed students. Um, I know, Carrie, your girls love to keep the line. I'm telling you, we, this year, this past summer, we did, we did meals every, we did, we did them every day. And especially for my younger daughter, who was in kindergarten this year, that was a huge deal to her to see, because that's her cafeteria staff you know, and that was her connection and that she could continue that all. And, you know, they're her people. And so of course, you know, she's that kind of kid who by the end of it, she's like, Hey, Hey everybody. And she needed that, you know, it was wonderful as a family to have those meals provided, but it also was such a great connection to her school. That was a great side effect of it. And I think made it easier for her to, to transition back when we finally got to go back in person, it was all her people, you know, all of the, all the support staff that she already knew and was waving and reminding me, yeah, that we better get, get up and get our meals. I mean, she just, it was, it was important to her socially. I love that. I mean, just really, I had never, never thought about it that way, but that connection, Mm -hmm. building community, uh, through that summer opportunity with child nutrition, it's great. Um, so, at other things, as if, if as if you guys don't have enough going on, um, there you've got engaged coming up, and yes, uh, just here in a couple of weeks, it's right around the corner, isn't it? Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. So it's June twenty first through the twenty third. Normally, we do this in July. Uh, But we wanted to uh, be able to meet our teachers at a time where they were still planning for the new year. Mm -hmm. And so kind of getting out ahead of that was really the the rationale for changing the date to the month of June so that there was a little bit more time to take information um, and that collaboration that comes uh, through Engage OK and see that then later implemented in in the fall. Um, but yeah, we're we are still doing that virtually this year. We're not ready to travel to different sites, and in doing that, we think that um, this will be a convenient way for more people to have um, access and uh, engagement. And we're looking forward to it. 
we are too. I mean, the the professional being able to join virtually, you know, has some drawbacks, but it also has the um, emphasis of those that live so far away don't have to spend three hours getting somewhere or go the night before and spend the night from their family. And so, um, so the technology issue is, is such a benefit to do uh, bigger and reach more people for professional development. Love that. And where can they go to find more information about Engage? They can go to engage, engage.ok.gov. And if you go there again, I'll say it again, engage.ok.gov. And you can sign up on Eventbrite and uh, get going. It's all free. Free PD. All free. Any free, 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 (laughs) as much or as little as you want. And um, what was that like? I'm just curious. What was that like planning this year? Because it seems like, I mean, it's a weird summer after last weird summer. And like Mm -hmm. there, you know, everybody's sort of in different places of some people are, you know, we're we're in school all year. Some people were part of the year. How did you guys decide what you wanted to do for PD this year? You know, we professional really development. Thought, sorry. Yeah, um, and and thank you because it really is different when we think about the challenges that are going to be faced in this next school year. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions that we get a lot is, what do we do about kind of that unfinished learning from the grade yeah. before? Right. And <laughs> parents sometimes ask, should we just, or, or I've even had legislators ask, should we just say everyone stays in the same grade and we just repeat that? No, no. <laughs> the, um, and school, we happened? Don't, school happened. Right. <laughs> we, yeah. And we don't have, we don't have to because there are strategies about how to condense instruction in a way that dovetails with the next grade level uh, standards so that we are able to provide what was missed last year, what needs to be reinforced and can be done in the next school year, but in a way that prevents the repeating of a grade. And uh, of course, um, that's what we'll be focused on as well as uh, what we have learned about um, remote and distance learning. Um, I think there's an element of that that is here to stay. Sure. Uh, we want to sure. talk now about what does high quality instruction look like? It's really a different skill set than when you are that right. teacher in that classroom and able to read body language, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what does it look like and what have we learned coming through this experience and really relying on the experts in the classroom who have done this, um, as well as those who are working you know, to contribute nationally to this conversation. Uh, we're all learning and we're relying on one another to be able to articulate some of these lessons learned. You know, when I, when I, when I hear you talk about, you know, what we knew at the beginning versus what we know now and what we think about going forward, I just, I can't help but to think about as a parent, what I got to see this year and how fascinating it was for me to listen in on my kids' classes and see how how much different, I mean, teachers, they got in their groove, they figured it out. And, and just, I am so, the PE teachers of the world, way to go, friends. You guys, did, you guys did it and figured out how to do it. But there are, you know, there are parts of it that I'm sure will be part of how we do school forever. 
left, you know, remnants of this. And I think that one, one lesson I hope we're able to kind of pull from this is new ways to connect with family. Um, When we think about parent conferences, sometimes, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, you know, my kids have, have, are grown adults right now. And, and yet way back um, when we had parent teacher conferences, we were, um, you know, it was at a certain time. And, and if you happened to work during those evenings, you kind of missed out on it. Or if Mm -hmm. you couldn't take off during the day, you missed it. Um, There's ways to do this that we now have seen um, that are less, maybe it's less clunky than when you might experiment with that since we have been doing things day in and day out. Um, and there's a lot to learn that I hope, I hope we'll be able to uh, bring with us into future years some of the good things we did uh-huh. learn. And I think part of that is how we can engage uh, with family uh, as well as um, collaboratively uh, with peers as, right. as professional educators. Well, we wanted to wrap up um, with you with a lightning round of very important and very serious pressing questions. Uh, okay. Because we just we just love doing lightning round with you, Superintendent. There's always okay. good. It's always good good stuff we learn. So, All right. Poolside or beachside? Beach. Worst uh, class where you got the worst grade ever. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to tell us your grade you just okay the class with the saddest uh the saddest place on your transcript it was a geology well it was a geology class in in college with contouring map contouring oh and structural I, geology yeah oh. and i i actually i i chose to do it past fail because I could tell things weren't going well. (laughs) Yeah, I think we all have those stories. Um, What was my number two? Oh, uh, while you're, while you're beachside, is it a romance or a biography that you're going to read? Oh, biography. Uh, Senior prom, best or worst night ever? Oh, hmm, neither. (laughs) It just was. <laughs> hey, am I the only one doing this? <laughs> no. <laughs> started... I, thought this, I thought we were like, where's Alicia's answers? Or uh, <laughs> where are yours, Terry? My worst grade ever was, to no one's surprise, Algebra 1. <laughs> okay. Math. Um, my worst grade, any, anything that involves spelling. Anything. Yes. I, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> what... What stands out to you about graduation? When you graduated high school, what memory stands out to you? Memory. Um, Just, I guess, how fast everything went. You know, it just like, wow, what's next? My, mine is that it was very, very hot in the gym and everyone was sweaty and it was horrible. That's my memory. Mine was that um, I didn't get to wear an uh, an orange robe because I had a three point nine eight nine, and oh, you had the shame, the shame to wear, to wear the special colored robe. You yeah. were robbed. 
Where was the rounding? See, if you had a better score in algebra, I think that you would have. <laughs> that is did it for me. Yeah. If I had had a B in algebra one, uh, <laughs> I even went to the church, went to church with the teacher and that didn't help me out nope. at all either. But I really um, was not like, you know, there's a something in your brain that switches on so that you can learn things and <laughs> My my mathematical brain did not switch on. I finally understood algebra in like algebra two, but never comprehended geometry or algebra two. <laughs> but I made A's in both of those. Oh, I guess that's fine. Good, because good, good, good. Bless Miss Myrtle Klingen Peel's heart. She works with me every day in geometry. All right, that is not so lightning when I tell stories. Okay. <laughs> All right, um, early riser or late night? Both. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about this after we end I the show. Like very long. We're going to have some conversations after this. Um, best summer job? Oh, working at my dad's steel manufacturing company. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Can I just say that I calligraphied the time cards and people couldn't quite read that? <laughs> <laughs> so That's you were amazing. giving okay. tasks to do? That didn't laugh. That didn't laugh. <laughs> I worked at Hallmark from my senior year in high school all through college. So that's the, I mean, I did work at a Mexican restaurant for a day until they <laughs> Until they told me I had to bust the tables. And I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not touching those plates after people eat guacamole and refried beans. Nope. That didn't last long. Um, and Memorial Day or Labor Day? Hmm. Well, it has to be Labor Day because I was born on Labor Day. Oh, that's oh. awesome. Yeah. Well, good choice. Good choice. Well, Thank you so much, Superintendent, for your time. We know that you're always busy, but this time of year is just so much happening in the State Department. So we appreciate your time very much. Thank you so much. And, and Alicia, I have to just say again, thanks for all of your service and all the work that you have done um, advocating for everybody who's working to support kids in schools all these years. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. It has been nothing but a joy to work with you and, um, and to establish the bond that should be between the State Department and the education community. You've been awesome. And welcome to Alicia's Morning Announcements. Do, 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 do. OEA is, okay, this just in. Deet, 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 deet. <laughs> OEA is one of the only organizations that tracks bonds. Uh-huh. So Tuesday, Tulsa Public Schools had a huge bond win and by a huge spread. Yeah. They, I mean, you have to win, you have to do it by a supermajority anyway. Right. But, but they were like 65 or 75% or some craziness. I mean, it was huge. And yeah. public schools had successful bond issues, uh, elections. So this brought the, now this is where OEA geeks out because we are one, I mean, I, there may be two other groups that track this stuff, but the, with Tuesday's bond 
investments from local communities. Mm -hmm. We are now over, just over a billion dollars in local communities. Yes. Taxes on themselves to support yes. their So Oklahomans love their schools. They do. And they see the need to invest at that mm -hmm. local level. Mm -hmm. It just makes my teacher heart happy. Yes. I mean, we've, we've said it before and we'll say it again. Failing a bond issue only hurts children and teachers. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's, that's just reality because the bonds are for safe and healthy schools, mm -hmm. for the technology, for the books, for the, yes. those things that our students need to. Buses to that, that run. Yeah. Yes. Buses, yes. That actually black smoke. Yeah. On the highway when you're trying to get from you oh. know, the lands into your school. Man, education employees are so demanding. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, that's just exciting. It is. And then we have a couple of other things that are not at all related to taxing and bonds. <laughs> uh, or are they? I don't know. Summer leadership for OEA members. Registration is open. Yes. Uh, leadership is June 15th. And um, you can go to the website, okea.org, and click on the summer leadership link and register away. It's free. I think. And it's virtual July 15th. You're going to be back in town anyway for back to school stuff. So it's June 15th, right? July 15th. Oh, it's July 15th? Yes. I just said June 15th. You time. did. You did. But we're I on track now. July 15th. <laughs> Reverse it. Cut. It is I July. mean, do you think it's Tuesday? <laughs> oh, it's not Tuesday. <laughs> oh. July 15th. Oh. Yeah, you're you're free on Tuesday. Yeah, you do whatever on Tuesday. <laughs> been a long 3,000 day year <laughs> and it yes. is actually July 15th. There it is. There it is. So folks do not register for anything at OEA on June 15th because <laughs> there's nothing going on. We are having a um, leaders meeting for uh, water systems in okay. school on All June right. 15th. Okay. So maybe I have June 15th on the brain. There it is. Uh, but summer leadership is July 15th for the 5,000th time in the last. <laughs> um, so go to okea.org and click the link where the date will be correct. <laughs> and last but not least, uh, we have a, a job opening at OEA for an advocate in the Northwest region. Advocates are the ones that um, work with members on personnel issues, grievances, um, they help with negotiated agreements mm -hmm. uh, and do so, so much more. So yeah. if that right. is your cup of tea, if that's your bliss, then uh, get your application in for the Northwest Advocate. That is like UConn, so you would be representing me. Don't that's, chase that's people that. away. Don't. Uh, so Yukon, Mustang, Piedmont, and uh, all the way up to Ponca City and Stillwater, and um, and then all the way over to Enid, Woodward, Guymon, uh, all, all of that area is the Northwest. You know, when I first started, yeah, pretty awesome. When I when I started working at OEA, and someone explained 
to me advocates and what they do is that basically advocates are people who aren't afraid to give superintendents the business. <laughs> yeah. And when you meet our advocates, you're like, oh yeah, like these people are, they're ready to bargain. They're ready to hammer out employee issues and they're not afraid to give people the business. What, I mean, you know, we don't, we don't live to have conflict. Oh no, no, no. Right. But, right. but, but we do have to stand up for right. what's right and um, right. for our members and, and our advocates, as Carrie said, are not afraid of yeah. giving superintendents the business. I like, you know, that saying, like, you don't take no for an answer. Like I definitely take no for an answer. So I would not be good. I would not be good at advocating. I'd be like, oh, we're done bargaining. Okay. That's fine. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) So we need people that are not like me and are willing to work uh, in Alicia's uh, area of the state. Yeah. So it's a narrow, it's a narrow window. Superintendents should be more like my daughter and just say, mom, please. Please, please, <laughs> please, please, until I finally just, fine. just wear down. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, so I... Tactics work on you. You don't want to be an advocate. <laughs> but if you want to give people the business and stand up for stand up for people who who need it, it's a good job. I, um, you and your Superman cape underneath your yes. uh, business attire. Yes. I'm advocate. Well, we want to say thank you so much to Superintendent Joy Hoffmeister for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.